the Pro Bowl may not have an actual game this year, but that doesn't mean you don't have one last opportunity to see Seahawks stars on display in Las Vegas. Dallas Cooper and I are going to be discussing the first annual Pro Bowl games and which Seahawks will be participating on our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Joining me for our Thursday show, my co-host Dallas Cooper. A special thanks to all the 12s out there as always for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Pro Bowl is coming up. Not the typical Pro Bowl, though. No actual tackle football game, and I'm using that in quotes anyway. There's a reason they got rid of the game, and they've replaced it with a bunch of middle school games, which quite frankly should be a little bit more entertaining. We'll be discussing which Seahawks you can see one last time during the Pro Bowl games this week. And then we'll be dishing out our roster reset on defense, taking a look at the defensive depth chart as it stands, positions of concern, positions of strengths, and taking a look at which players we expect to be back and which ones will be shown the door this offseason on the defensive side of the football. It's a jam-packed schedule coming your way, courtesy of Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to six players and they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on your entry. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Now for your lead story here on our Thursday edition of Locked On Seahawks. For the first time in a long time, there won't be a Pro Bowl game this year. No tackle football. They eliminated it. And the NFL was hoping that changing things up with an array of skill competitions and games would entice more players to show up for the event. That remains to be seen. We've already seen Tyler Huntley of the Ravens, who had three combined touchdowns this year, get selected as a Pro Bowl alternate because so many guys in the AFC have dropped out. So I don't know that that's necessarily working for the NFL at this point. But I will say this, Dallas, there is some intrigue to seeing NFL players, you know, move away from actual football and do some skill competitions. In particular, I'm excited to see what Geno Smith, who led the NFL in completion percentage this year, is going to be able to do putting on a show in the precision passing competition, which is going to be happening later today, in fact. Geno Smith has an excellent shot of winning that. Geno Smith, throughout the year, showed his accuracy, and it's going to be fun seeing this in sort of a game style. It's kind of interesting, as you said, seeing NFL athletes that we were watching playing tackle football all of a sudden playing games that maybe some of us played when we were younger. Yeah. It's really fun. I'm I'm kind of honestly interested about Tariq Woolen in the dodgeball. I think he really is going to be good at that. I mean, 6'4", he's fast. Like, I think he's going to be excellent at dodgeball. And it's going to be fun. That's something that I loved playing when I was growing up, and I want to watch. Yeah, I actually think I'm going to be tuning in on a few of these because I think it's going to be interesting. Looking at the four Seahawks that are participating in the Pro Bowl games, as I mentioned earlier, Geno Smith in the precision passing contest that's Six quarterbacks, the six quarterbacks that are in the Pro Bowl, that includes Tyler Hundley, as I said, him being that last second addition as an alternate. But 
They're squaring off in one-minute accuracy competitions. We've seen Russell Wilson do really well in competitions like this in the past. I expect that Geno Smith is going to have a chance to contend for the title in that. But it is one of those things. Sometimes, you know, in baseball, home run hitters don't necessarily do well in the home run derby. So we'll have to see. This is going to be Geno Smith's first experience doing anything like this as a first-time pro bowler. And so – We'll see how it shakes out. I think Kirk Cousins has shown himself to be pretty good in competitions like this in the past. He has experience. We'll see where Geno Smith fits in. And then Quandre Diggs, I am intrigued as hell by this, the lightning round. And it's a three-part competition that includes a water balloon toss. I mean, we're talking true middle school games here, like your middle school fair end-of-the-year type games. And then they're going to have a jugs machine where they have to try to catch punts, which that is not easy. If you ever go watch uh, NFL practice, you can see how difficult that is. And the one that I'm most fascinated by, the thrill of the spill. And it's a little bit different of interpretation. They're not going to have coaches falling in the water bucket, but they're going to have a bucket over the top of them. And players are going to be trying to hit these moving targets to knock the buckets over and dows a coach with water and so i think that's going to be fun in itself again this is all fun and games they've gotten rid of the tackle football event because it had become a mockery over the last decade or so guys simply weren't playing in the game and those that did they were moving through the motions it wasn't worth it anymore and so now we get to see these events and as you mentioned i have to say this about dodgeball i can't wait to see Tariq woolen try to dip dive duck and dodge I'm just picturing Patches of Houlihan now throwing a wrench at Tariq Woolen. <laughs> if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. I think it's going to be a lot of fun seeing where he fits in. Sometimes being a bigger guy, tall like that, it's more area for opponents to hit, and he's going to have to show he can throw the dodgeball too, but a traditional five-on-five event. And one that has some good wordplay, the kick-tack-toe competition with Jason Myers, the specialists are going to be teaming up aiming to get three in a row. I will add this as well. If you're going to be watching the flag football game, that's what the NFL has chosen to replace the tackle football game. Geno Smith, Tariq Woolen, and Quandre Diggs are all on the roster to be able to play in that game. Kickers are going to be involved in flag football, so Jason Myers won't be on that roster. But there are going to be several opportunities from Thursday through Sunday for Seahawks fans to be able to see three or four of their star players from their playoff team this year one last time before they truly go into the offseason. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun, even if it isn't necessarily the best solution, trying to figure out how to replace the actual Pro Bowl game. I think it's a lot better than the Pro Bowls of the past. Watching those, I honestly would shut off the Pro Bowl by like the end of the first quarter in recent years. It was as you said, it became a mockery of the game. It was, it was, they were just going through the motions. And to be honest, it's not the players' faults either because they don't want to risk injury in a game that means absolutely nothing to them. Yeah. So it's just really a tough situation for the NFL. And it is, it is a tough thing for them to do, finding this solution. And I think this is a step forward, though. It's, it's a lot more fun, brings a lot more intrigue to it. I think the best solution to all of this, this is just me personally because I'm a video game guy, even though I'm not a fan of recent Madden games, why not have like a Madden tournament with Pro Bowlers? You can't tell me that guys wouldn't be lining up to play in that. And you could have charities involved. I think in the end, there's a lot of different things that they can try. And I give the NFL credit for finally scrapping the game because as you mentioned, 
it's been excruciating to watch the last couple of years. And as an NFL reporter, I felt obliged to watch the game so I could cover Seahawks players, but it's been really challenging to watch the last four or five years as the as the game has continued a product. Credit to the NFL stepping up and getting rid of it, and I don't know if this is going to be the solution for them with these games, but I think it's the start and maybe flag football. I think the flag football game is going to be fun to watch anyway. And guys aren't going to have to worry as much about the injury issues, things of that nature. So I will be tuning in for at least a few of these events because I do want to see what the dodgeball games look like Uh, Four teams. They're going to be doing a small tournament with that, what the actual flag football game looks like. And with the senior bowl coming up on this weekend as well, uh, there's a lot on tap to watch in terms of football, actual football. So this will be a nice change of pace to see Seahawks start, even if they're not actually playing football in Las Vegas. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at the Seahawks defensive depth chart as we head into the offseason. Which positions stand out as strengths heading towards 2023 and which areas are major concerns that John Schneider in the front office should be looking to fix up in the next couple of months? We're going to be breaking all that down here on our Thursday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because FanDuel is the number one sportsbook in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will win or who will score a touchdown. Looking forward to the big game. I'm leaning towards taking a big swing with Travis Kelsey as my MVP pick at plus 1,200. He has been dominant in the playoffs, so I am pretty confident about his ability to do that in the Super Bowl. If you want to make that bet like me, the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm Corbett Smith. Glad to be joined for today's show by my co-host, Dallas Cooper. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether this is your first time listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast or your regular listener. We appreciate all of you. Thank you for your support. Locked On is heading to the Senior Bowl. Get inside analysis from the hosts that cover the NFL's next generation in college and find out which NFL draft boards these players will be climbing all in one location. Subscribe to Locked On NFL Draft for nightly live shows from the Senior Bowl on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. All right, it's time for our roster reset. We do this every single offseason. Again, for our regular listeners, we've talked about this. We like to take more of a macro look initially to begin the offseason, just kind of looking at the big picture, and then we dive into more specifics. And so last week, Dallas, we looked at the offensive depth chart for the Seahawks as it stands. We're going to do the same thing today on the defensive side of the football. And the interesting thing is this defense struggled so much at times this past season, and yet you look at the contracts and for the projected starters Right now, heading into next season, the only players that don't have a contract are Puna Ford and Cody Barton. But that doesn't mean that there are not other question marks on this roster, particularly in the middle of the front seven with defensive tackle and linebacker. This this front seven, 
as Pete Carroll said in the end of season press conferences, it needs to be a lot better. There needs to be a game record over there. Seattle seems to have a good rotation of dudes over here and they didn't play to their potential. But when you break it down into more micro splits, they actually played pretty well in certain packages and certain fronts. So I think there is something to go with there for the coaching staff. But as you said, there needs to be more guys up the middle, specifically as D tackle linebacker, Cody Barton's contracts coming up. Jordan Brooks had an injury to end the season. It's going to be tough. We're going to have, they're going to have to replace a bunch of snaps in the middle of the field. And as you said, Puna Forge, he had to switch to three, four this season, sort of struggled at times. It was a tough fit for him. Pete talked about maybe moving him back to the nose a lot. And that could be interesting. But as you said, the contract's up. So is he really going to be back? And Shelby Harris also, as we were talking about prior to the show, a $12 million cap hit. It's going to, there's, I don't think there's any way, as you said, that he's going to be back on the team on, with that cap hit. There's going to be some sort of thing they're going to have to do to bring him back. That middle of the field through the draft or free agency is going to need to have more talent and just more game records. Yeah, Pete Carroll was talking about closing that gap with San Francisco. It's something that the 49ers have been able to do. And they've been helped by the fact they've had a lot of really high draft picks in the last five or six years. And that's helped them get elite talent. But they have Eric Armstead in the middle. They have a few other defensive tackles. John Kinlaw has been somewhat disappointing, but he's given them some good snaps at times as a first-round pick. But they've got a lot of really good players in the middle of the trenches. Then they've got Nick Bose on the outside. And when you get a pass rusher of that caliber, it makes life easier for everybody on the inside and vice versa. And so the 49ers, they have been able to build that dominant front seven built around the front line. They've got tons of talent up there, even after trading DeForest Buckner. So Pete Carroll is not wrong assessing the state of the defensive line and realizing, especially running a 3-4 defense, they are going to need a really disruptive playmaker at the defensive tackle position. And quite frankly, even in the Legion of Boom years, they didn't need to have somebody like that because they had so many elite talents at every other position. But And Brandon Meebane, I think, was an underrated player. He was a really solid defensive tackle. Tony McDaniel was good. They could get away with having role guys playing a 4-3 defense than with everybody else they have in that defense. This defense doesn't have that kind of talent right now across the board. Even though they've got some decent rotational guys, they got a few players that can be starters at defensive tackle. But I think the personnel issue is the biggest problem. How many of these guys are truly 3-4 defensive tackles? Shelby Harris is. He had a solid first year in Seattle. But that cap hit is certainly an issue that the Seahawks are going to have to address. If they want to bring him back, they're going to have to find a way to lower that cap hit, whether that's through an extension, doing some type of a pay cut, cutting him, and then hoping you can re-sign him. That would be the biggest gamble of the three options they have there. But they've got to do something to try to lower that cap hit to bring him back. But Puna Ford's not a natural 3-4. Al Woods plays fine in the nose tackle position, but he's going to be 36 in March. He's not getting any younger. Brian Monet has a severe knee injury. Who knows when he's going to be back next year. So there are a ton of question marks on that defensive line, in particular in the interior. They're going to have to address that. I think linebacker, though, in the short term is just as big of a problem because, as you mentioned, Jordan Brooks is under contract, but he tore his ACL at the end of the season. So who knows how quickly he's going to be able to get back. Pete Carroll seemed to have some type of optimism to him, and we know Pete Carroll is optimistic in any coach in football. So. Not surprising, but he seemed optimistic about the chances that maybe Brooks could be back for the start of the 2023 season. 
We've seen a few players do that, but I would be really surprised if he's ready for week one. In fact, I expect he's going to miss several games next year. And Cody Barton's a free agent. Even though he improved in the second half of the season, is that enough to bring him back? And so they've got major question marks there. Tanner Muse and John Radigan are your backups, and maybe Vi Jones ends up playing his way into the competition there with another offseason to get better, get stronger. But they don't have a lot of options at that position. And so I'm going to be fascinated when we get later into the show here to talk about some ways that they could try to address this because I could see a lot of musical chairs at those two position groups, not just with free agency, but also with the injuries they're dealing with, like Jordan Brooks and and some of the personnel issues they're trying to tackle if they are going to stay with the 3-4 defense. Now, putting that depth chart back up, where I do think that the Seahawks have a major advantage here, I like the situation at cornerback. Tariq Woolen and Mike Jackson are going to be back. Trey Brown is going to be back. And, and I expect with a full offseason where he's not rehabbing, that Trey Brown is going to return to form. So if I'm Mike Jackson, I'm looking in the rearview mirror and looking, Trey Brown's going to be coming. Can you hold on to that starting job? Absolutely. But I think Trey Brown is going to get every crack at winning that job next year because we saw what he could do before he suffered that patellar tendon injury a couple years ago. And so those three on the outside, you've got some really nice building blocks at your corner position. And they got Kobe Bryant in the slot, who I thought improved gradually as the season progressed. And going into year two, he should be much more comfortable playing in the slot. They can add some competition there. But corner actually looks like it is a position of strength, both short and long term, as these guys continue to grow together. And it's safety. I expect Ryan Neal is going to be back as a restricted free agent. Jamal Adams is going to be coming back from his injury. Who knows what he looks like at the beginning of training camp, but they're hoping he's ready for the start of training camp. And Quandre Diggs played great football down the stretch and looked like his old self. So that should be an area of strength. The secondary, it feels like there are far less questions aside from just some of the injured players coming back than there is at the other positional groups. Yeah, secondary is actually recent from the past years. It was kind of a, one of their weaknesses, and it's become sort of with a revamp couple of drafts, it's become a strength. And as you said, with the strength already at safety with the veterans and Jamal Adams, Ryan Neal, Quandre Diggs, you even have a guy they brought on late in the season and Jonathan Abrams that's been in the league for a little bit. Those are quality players that can really provide quality snaps to lead a defense. Now at corner, I'm really interested to see as you said, brought up, maybe they bring competition for Kobe Bryant. If there's a if there's a good nickel, potentially a guy like Brian Branch in the draft, I'm just gonna throw his name out there. If he falls, you could potentially see him come in and run run his money for Cody and try to get that um or Kobe and try to get that nickel corner position. But as you said, D tackle and linebacker has to be the focus, getting guys up front. The secondary seems a lot more put together than the front seven. The front seven needs to be the major change in the offseason. Yeah, and I think that the one position group that we haven't discussed yet is that edge group that certainly could get overhauled too. There are some pieces there. Lieutenant Nuosu was a Pro Bowl alternate, had a fantastic season. I thought Boye Mafe had a very good rookie year, even though the pass rushing too. numbers aren't where they want them to be. He still had three sacks in limited opportunities, and he was excellent setting the edge against the run. Daryl Taylor had a really strong finish, so that's encouraging going into the last year of his rookie deal. So it feels like there's pieces there that fit with what they're wanting to do in this 3-4 defense, and those guys are going to be better if they can improve their interior defensive line by default. 
that's going to have a ripple effect, a domino effect on those edge rushers in a 3-4 when you have overhanging pass rushers like that. So I don't know that we're going to see major overhaul there, but you know, if Will Anderson's there at pick number five or they trade up to get, I mean, that's a, that is a dynamic playmaker that you can put with the Nuosu and Boye Mafe and Daryl Taylor. And so certainly they could explore that. I don't expect they're going to be spending a ton of money to add a pass rusher in free agency, but it feels like that would be kind of the middle of the pack type need. Defensive tackle, linebacker continue to be major areas of concern. And we're going to be talking about how the Seahawks maybe can address those needs and which players we think will be back, which ones will be on the way out. We're going to be taking a roster reset on the defensive side of the football coming up next year on our Thursday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought to you away by Prize Picks with the Super Bowl coming up in two weeks. I like AJ Brown to snag a touchdown against the Chiefs. With Prize Picks, it's easy to play daily fantasy and put those entries to the test. Pick two to six players if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people, it's just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport you watch, whether it's the NFL, NBA, MLB, even disc golf. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals, and it's currently operational in over 30 states as well as Canada. So download the Prize Picks app or go to PrizePicks.com to sign up to play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. Don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined today by my co-host, Dallas Cooper. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening in Argentina or nearby Renton. We greatly appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And for your second listen, the Locked On team is heading to the Senior Bowl. Get inside analysis from the hosts that covered the NFL's next generation in college and find out which NFL draft boards these players will be climbing all in one location. Subscribe to Locked On NFL Draft for nightly live shows from the Senior Bowl on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. All right, it's time for our roster reset. We just looked at the Seahawks' defensive depth chart, and they don't have a lot of free agents in their projected starters, but there certainly are some players that have a year or two left under contract that may be potential cap casualty candidates. And so, Let's discuss our locks, players that are on the bubble, and players that are on the way out. Don't let the door hit you on the backside. So we're going to be discussing this a little bit. And it's interesting because you and I were talking about this as we prepared before the show. And I think a lot of people, a lot of fans, the general consensus is that this is a defense that needs quite a few changes. And there needs to be some major moves made at multiple position groups. And yet... I was interested to see that you had a lot of players coming back as locks for this defense and maybe just bringing them back for a second year in the scheme. They'll be better by default. I, I, I truly feel they will be better in the second year of a scheme. As you said, I, was, I have a lot more locks than you do in, in the roster reset. And one of the bigger changes was compared to me and you was that I had Shelby Harris as a lot. I think he's going to be integral for the interior defensive line especially if they add a younger piece. He's a quality veteran, a presence in the locker room. And yes, he has a $12 million cap hit. Find a way to restructure it. Find a way to get him back on the team because I think he really does have a valuable impact. And Cody Barton as well, I feel, needs to be a lock. 
with the limited depth already at linebacker with the Jordan Brooks injury, only having Tanner Muse, John Radigan as your backups. You need Cody Barton back. I don't think you want to completely overhaul and have com- all new linebackers having to fit into a scheme that they haven't played before. You want Barton's been in this defense. As you said, he improved in the second half of the year. And with the improvement that you could make at the interior defensive line, I think that truly would help the linebackers a lot. And I don't think this front seven needs a complete overhaul. I think there's quality rotational pieces that really could be there. And I only think there's really needs to be an addition of a true star. I think a lot of these pieces, guys like Miles Adams, even Puna Ford, for example, Al Woods, I think they would look a lot better if they had an A or an S-tier talent next to them. A guy like Jalen Carter, a guy like Will Anderson, or even a dominant pass rusher in free agency or through the trade around draft time. They would look a lot better with a talent like that next to them. And I think, honestly, that should be the main focus. Not completely overhauling, but just finding that top-tier talent to anchor this group. Yeah, I think that the thing that makes it a little bit more complicated is the salary cap situation with a few of these players. And looking at my list, again, as I mentioned earlier, I don't have quite as many locks as what you do, but I still have a good chunk of these guys coming back next season. There's a few players coming back from injury that I consider locks as well. Alton Robinson is going to be back next year from his knee injury. But I'm listing Cody Barton on the bubble just simply because – we don't know what the market's going to look like for him and how much of the Seahawks can be willing to pay a player who improved last year, but there were still some issues down the stretch. And I don't know that he necessarily is a great fit for a 3-4 defense and under 240 pounds. I've talked about it, though. I would be leaning towards him coming back just because of the injury situation with Jordan Brooks. Defensive tackle, on the other hand, Puna Ford was your highest-priced player. That is not happening again next year. He did not earn that money. If you're going to bring him back, it's going to be on a cheaper deal. And Shelby Harris and Quentin Jefferson both have cap hits that you could save at least $4 million on if you cut them. Harris, it's over $8 million if you made a move to cut him. And then the Seahawks are going to have to do some things if Geno Smith is re-signed to a deal that's worth $30-plus million per year. He's franchise-tagged. That's going to eat up a lot of the salary cap space that they currently have. So they're going to have to make some other moves to create some flexibility to further shore up their roster. And I could see them going much cheaper at defensive tackle with the contracts that Shelby Harris and Quentin Jefferson have. So I've got both those players squarely on the bubble simply because I'm curious to see what the Seahawks do with those two players. Jefferson, I think, is more likely to be back on his contract because he finished 14th in the NFL among defensive tackles and pressures last year, and he was a really good pass rusher. Harris, with his age and the $12-plus million cap hit, though, that is one of the contracts they are absolutely going to have to address. Could they bring him back? Sure, but they need to find a way to do it at a much cheaper price point from a cap hit perspective in order to bring him back because he's not the game-wrecking defensive tackle they're looking for. He's a very solid player, a starter caliber, but as you said, I think if you put Jalen Carter on the line with him or you put a game-wrecking defensive tackle with Shelby Harris, Harris is going to be better by default. I, I really, I would agree with you there. I don't think they need to completely retool this group and just start over. At the same time, they absolutely need that difference maker. They need an interior alpha right now. 
to make the rest of this group better. And I expect there are going to be some significant changes looking for players that maybe fit a 3-4 defense better than some of these players that are currently on the roster. And one other thing that I'm going to note here in terms of on the bubble, you had Bruce Irvin on the way out. I'd be surprised if he's back next year, but I'm not going to completely rule it out because he was productive. Just don't make him a starter. That was what my issue was. He was playing way too many snaps last season uh, for my liking late in the year. I think that he's a guy that can still give you some good reps as a situational pass rusher and his leadership. That is something that is invaluable for a defensive line uh, edge group edge group that is pretty young away from him. Even Uchinanuosu is only 26, so it's still a pretty young group. So I wouldn't say it's impossible he's back, but I'd be a little bit surprised if Bruce Irvin plays another season for the Seahawks, especially if they draft an edge rusher, as I'm expecting that they are going to. And it might even be with one of their first-round picks they add another edge guy. Then there's not really a place on the roster, especially with Alton Robinson coming back and Tyreek Smith they're hoping maybe contributes as well. Probably not a spot for him, but I will keep him on the bubble just because it's Bruce Irvin, and I thought he played fairly well last year when they used him in the right role. Okay, Dallas, real quick, let's talk about some priorities here. The defensive line, a defensive tackle, there's a lot of different options that they have. They could look at free agency. They could look at the trade market. The draft has some pretty solid defensive tackles as well. What do you think the Seahawks need to do to try to address that position? You've said they don't need to completely overhaul it, but how do they get that alpha? What What is the path to do that to make the rest of this group better? I think path A is draft Jalen Carter. That's the first path you can get there. If that is not there. a – you got to <laughs> hope he's there. If he's not available, then your other path is going to have to be through trade market or potentially through free agency. And in the trade market – I don't know if you're really going to be able to find that alpha interior, but there could be a couple edge rushers on the market available for prized picks. Guys like Brian Burns, potentially, you could get them for second round picks, maybe, maybe a couple firsts or a first and a second. Because at the time in earlier in the season, they were going for two first round picks. Now it's a draft season. Carolina might be trying to make a move up for a quarterback. So, I think there's a couple ways you can upgrade this defensive line to get that alpha talent. And as you said, if Puna Ford and Shelby Harris aren't back, you're going to need some extra rotational pieces as well. Guys like Draymond Jones are unrestricted free agents. They played in the 3-4. Zach Allen with the Cardinals, really good run defender on the as a 5-tech 4-I in the 3-4 defense. And those are the kind of people that the, the Seahawks need. They need those big run stuffers in the middle that could also get some pressure. Yeah, I think that you just mentioned Draymond Jones and Zach Allen are two players that would be decent fits for the scheme they're running. It's all going to boil down to cost because free agency is always more expensive than going the draft route. And there are certainly some fun ones. Brian Breesy from Clemson, if you're looking who's after Jalen Carter. Brian Breesy, I don't know that he fits a 3-4 necessarily, but he's a player that could develop into being able to play in that system and he can get after the quarterback an outstanding athlete and then you've got Siaki Ika of Baylor six foot four 358 pounds you want to talk about a guy that will improve your run defense right there is a player that probably is the second rounder right now but if he tests fairly well at the combine Maybe he's this year's Jordan Davis and vaults into the first round because he's a player that's had some pass rushing production as well at Baylor. And so 
Eek is a player that I'm very fascinated by that maybe they could add there. Linebackers, I mentioned, I think in the short term, and they're going to have to figure the defensive tackle position out, obviously, but they've got to figure out what they're going to do there. Because again, I don't think Jordan Brooks is going to be ready for week one. In fact, I expect I would lean towards him missing the first half of the season rather than being back yeah. week one. I think he's more likely to miss half the season. And if they don't bring back Cody Barton, I don't necessarily know that that's a given that Barton's going to be back. Again, he's on my bubble. You are potentially going into the season with both of your starters from last year out. So who's going to handle the play calling duties in the middle? And they need to start looking at some players that fit the personnel or the scheme that they're wanting to run better. They need some bigger guys that are thumpers. I'm going to say this right now. If you're going to splurge a free agency, I think Jermaine Pratt from the Bengals is a player that would be worth it. At 250 pounds, he can cover, had a 80-plus grade on pro football focus this year. He can blitz some. He's improved as a run defender. He's got the size to play in a 3-4. It would be costly, but if you have concerns about Jordan Brooks down the line, you're not bringing back Cody Barton, that's the kind of experienced player that I could justify making a few other roster moves to open up cap space and going out and get in. And then in the draft, there's some interesting players. Drew Sanders from Arkansas can rush. He, he's a blitzer, a little bit undersized for my liking for a 3-4. And at the same time, he does have the disruptive playmaking qualities that the Seahawks will be looking for. And then Suell from Oregon, a big thumper. I'm a little concerned about his speed, his athleticism, but yeah. he can make plays in the run game. And he's another guy that can – get after it, get downhill and blow people up. So that may be a good fit for them here. And Jack Campbell from Iowa, one of my favorite linebacker prospects. He's got five interceptions the last two years. He's a very sound run defender, more of a traditional thumper at 245 pounds. So there are some options that I think really fit the 3-4 in the draft. I think they need to add two players to this position. Maybe you get a free agent don't expect it to be somebody like Jermaine Pratt, but maybe they get a free agent and then draft a linebacker in the first three rounds. I would not be surprised if they do that. In fact, that's probably where I'd be leaning just because this is a situation that's a bit dire with Brooks being out and not having many other established players at that position. It'll be fascinating to see what John Schneider and company do to try to address those two position groups and try to mold the rest of this defense because – even though they made improvements in passing defense, they were near the bottom of the NFL and run defense. This is clearly a unit that needs to be bolstered. They need some talent infused onto this roster through free agency and the draft. So we'll see what the front office ultimately does in coming weeks. And we'll have plenty of time to specifically dive into individual position groups as well. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Dallas at Dallas C. Cooper. Make sure to check out Lock on Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on our Blue Friday episode, it's Fan Fiction Friday. We'll have another topic for our listeners to chime in on with the Seahawks offseason. And we'll kick off our free agent frenzy looking at some free agents to watch in the AFC East division. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Go Hawks.